brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, as we get ready for this Advent season, I was preparing and I thought of the giving and receiving of gifts. And um, one that popped in my head was one that my family still um, kind of nudge each other with, and it was about Christmas dishes. Um, and Landis gave me permission to share this, so don't think that she doesn't know that it's being shared. So one, one Christmas, um, we had given my mom a whole set of really nice Christmas dishes, and, and after we had given them to her, Landis was like, gosh, I really, really like that. You know, that's, that'd be a great gift for next year. I'm like, okay, perfect. So I'm going to be the greatest husband ever, and I remembered it. I tucked it back in my mind, and that next year I went out and bought the platter. I bought the, the plates and the salad plates and these great bowls that are, like, perfect for soup, not like those flat cereal bowls that you can't fit anything in. And I wrapped them all up, and um, Christmas Eve came around, and she opened them up. And I think one of my boys kind of gave her a little hint what was coming because I had one that didn't share or didn't hold secrets very well. And so, because you could kind of see the anticipation in her eyes and she opened them up and she went, oh, because they weren't quite what she was expecting. They, um, the ones we got, my mom had these big snowflakes on them. They were blue and bright. And the ones that I had found were a little bit different. And uh, they had kind of scenes on them um, of, of kids playing in snow. And, and she was just like, oh, the, the, longer we, the longer we kind of used them and, and had them out. And she was, you know, a couple weeks later, she's like, you know what? She goes, they weren't really what I was expecting, but I actually really love these now. And that makes me think of kind of where we are um, for this series, this set of the series um, with, our, with our Advent sermons. And so we're talking about the anticipation of Christ's first coming. And at first glance, if we look at the prophecies that preceded that, we might have a perception that is a little skewed. You know, if we go all the way back to Moses, um, we might think that his first coming was all about empire and, and conquering land. If we remember the story of Moses, when, it, when he began, you know, his, his, the beginning of his story was the death of all of the infant boys. Why? Because Pharaoh was afraid of the Hebrews because they were getting so great in number that they would take over that they would create an empire and conquer Egypt. So he needed to cut that off, right? And then we have Moses taking the Israelites into the promised lands um, that were promised to them by God. And, and what kind of was the underlying tone there is that they needed to conquer those. You know, they had the Canaanites that, that were in the lands. And if we look at that first battle um, with the Canaanites, the battle of Jericho, Joshua chapter 2 says this, they said to Joshua, these are the people that were coming back, had just been to Jericho, said, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting before us. So as we listen to that, we read that, as, as the Israelites were hearing that, it may have given the false impression that the, that the Israelites were all about conquering land, all about empire and political gain in, in the region. We go a little further after that. Israel wanted a king. They wanted to be like all the other nations that surrounded them. 
you know. And so God gave them King Saul. And in the, in the middle of that, the Philistines started to come. And we know the story of David uh, and Goliath. And so David comes and conquers Goliath, and they conquer the Philistine army. Again, giving us the impression of empire and land and power. And then we look a little bit further ahead um, to King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah. Now, the backstory to this is the tribes had already split. So you had Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Assyria came in and conquered the ten tribes to the north, and they were coming into Jerusalem to conquer Jerusalem and the tribe of Judah. And King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah prayed, and they prayed to God that, that the king would not come in and conquer their land. And he didn't, reinforcing, reinforcing that idea of empire. But if we look, even though we have those to kind of reference, and they had those accounts to reference, if we look and go even all the way back to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 17 to 18 says this, but you shall not devote them to complete destruction, but excuse me, you shall devote them to complete destruction. The Hittites and the Amorites, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, as the Lord your God has commanded, that they may not teach you to do according to all their abominable practices that they have done for their gods. And so you sin against the Lord your God. So yeah, we hear about the destruction of, of these peoples, but if we, if we really focus in at the end, it's not about empire. It's about them leaning into the idolatry of those people and leaving the Lord our God and worshiping other gods. It's about the salvation of their souls. If we look in Genesis, and this is in your sermon outline, if, if we look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, very beginning, we get a glimpse of what the reason, why the reason Jesus is coming. It says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will fatally crush your head and you will bruise or strike his heel. So in chapter 3, the beginning of chapter 3 is when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. 15 verses later, same chapter, God has already laid the foundation for why Jesus is coming. It's not empire. It is the salvation of souls. It is so that the offspring of woman would strike down the evilness of Satan. We look at Job. Job, the story of Job, if you remember the account, is he had, he had an empire. He had land, he had animals, he had, you know, money and wealth and all of this with, within, you know, his reach. And he lost it all. And in the midst of losing it all, Job says this. And this is one, this is a verse that is really dear to me and I know to a lot of members at Redeemer because 
Um, it's one of our favorite songs here. Job 19, 25 through 27. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eye shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. Job lost his entire empire, but what was his focus? On his salvation. And here, the resurrection of his body, that he would see God in the flesh. We move to Isaiah 25, verse 8. And in Advent, we read a lot of Isaiah, lots of prophecy about Jesus and Jesus fulfilling those prophecies. In 25.8, he says, He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It's not about empire. It's not about comfort as it was in Job. It's about the salvation and swallowing up death so that we don't have to die and we are not stuck in our sins, but that God is coming to save us. If we look at our first reading, the prophet Zechariah, if you want to, you can turn your bulletin there. If we kind of read this at first, you know, there's lots of empire images in this section, which is why I, I selected it. Um, you know, you kind of get one at the end of verse 10. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea. Feel empire, kingdom, land mass. I will rouse your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and make you like a warrior's sword. We have these fighting images. His arrow will flash like lightning. They will destroy and overcome these powerful images. But where does it start? Let's look back at verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That verse would speak measures to the Israelites because they lived in a land where, where kings would come and go and move around. It made me think of um, Aladdin when Prince Ali comes into uh, the kingdom and he's got these elephants and banners and dancers and all of this. And that's how a king would come into the land with all of this fanfare. But their king comes gentle, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It's not about conquest or empire. And that would have spoken to them. Let's move a little bit forward to our gospel reading, to where this is a different Zechariah. This is John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, and the backstory to this is he was made mute because he did not believe the angel when the angel told him that Elizabeth would get pregnant. So he was unable to speak until John was born and he told everyone that he had to name him John. And as soon as he could speak, 
This was part of his prayer, and I want to focus in at the very last part at, at 77. And Zechariah says this, To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And what I love is that right after that, Luke goes into the fulfillment of that person that John will prepare the way for. And in chapter 2, we have the birth of Jesus. Not about empire, but about the, sal the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us as we look at Jesus' first coming and through the course of this series, we look towards his second coming? You know, we have all around us the ability to have anything at our disposal. We have information overload and opinion overload. Do we miss... Do we miss that Jesus did not come to create empire, to create nations? But if we remember back in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy said, no, no, he came so that, so that we wouldn't turn our way from the Lord our God to idols. What are our idols today? Are they politics? Are they wealth? Are they entertainment? We have them. What are they? We have to search ourselves for that. Did Jesus come so that we could live a comfortable life? Job would say no. The apostles would say no. So then why? It has always been about the battle for souls against Satan. Ephesians 6 verse 12 for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our battle is not against humans and flesh and blood. That's not why Jesus came. He came to battle the power of Satan so that we and all of us could be saved from death and to be with him forever. Let us remember that this Advent season. In Jesus' name, amen.